0: everyone, it's Paul Ward here, and welcome to another edition of Farm Talk. I'm very excited today. We are at All Dogs Rule in Fillmore, California, and our guest is one of the co-owners, Russ Avison. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. We certainly want to thank our sponsors, The Money Store and The Escrow Hub, uh, for sponsoring our show. So, Russ, what is All Dogs Rule?
1: I haven't got a clue. (laughs) No. Um, All Dogs Rule is a, uh, we call All Dogs Rule day camp and sleepovers. And it's a cage-free boarding environment where you can bring your dog when you have to go away and you can't take him with you. Um, We have over 18 acres here. um, So the dogs get to run and play, have a great time. But one of the unique things about our business here is that instead of just having a big mass of dogs, which many times can be bad for some of the dogs, dogs are kept in groups of just two, three, or four based on their size and their temperament. So um, it's a lot easier on the dogs, a lot less stressful, and they have a great time.
0: This is such a unique setting. We We are called Farm Talk. You are a little bit unique in that you're a dog boarding facility, but you're set in this beautiful location of orange groves, and you've got a river running Yep. along the edge of your property which you would never think would be even possible in southern california
1: right how did this how did this place come to be my wife karen and i had um we do, we were doing dog agility for a long time karen's been into agility for years and years and we had been going up to a um, an agility show up in madera california and uh on our way back uh karen spotted in one of these like the horse trader or um penny saver a little ad for a ranch in fillmore and we had been out to Fillmore a month or two earlier for a dog show and we kind of liked the area. So we decided to come take a look at this ranch. And when the woman uh, who owned the ranch offered it to us, she said, this is the price. And we said, we need to talk a little bit more. So we drove down by the river and Karen and I are looking at each other going, this is too good to be true. I know, let's, we gotta take it. So we did and we leased the property for about two years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, um, it came to be that one day the owner came by and she says, uh, you know, this area over here needs to be cleaned up. And I said, yeah, it does. <laughs> and she's, she said, well, you know, this is kind of a caretaker property. I said, well, you never said that. That wasn't my agreement. And she looked at me. She goes, you know, this just isn't any fun anymore. And I said, well, why don't you sell it to me? And she did. <laughs> and so that's how we got it. That's great. And as, as soon as we bought it, we... Uh, you know, put in for our permits and things, and we started expanding out and and started the business. We had always done a little bit of boarding on the side, but it was you know six, eight, ten dogs. It was never a big deal, mm-hmm. and uh, now it's gotten to be quite a quite a nice operation, and we have a great reputation, and that's how, how it
0: started. How many dogs can you accommodate?
1: We can do upwards of about sixty,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. Uh, we still we have room to do more, mm-hmm. but um, you know regulations keep us with that sixty. But you know what? It, it works out fine. We have we have no complaints about that.
0: Sure. And some dogs are by themselves. Some dogs are in a small enclosure with other dogs, and then some dogs are running around in a larger pen. How do you how do you make that determination?
1: We ask them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the dogs, uh, first of all. When dogs come here, mm-hmm. um, we we ask a series of questions, you know, from the owners to find out, is your dog dog friendly? They like big dogs, little dogs, they people friendly. You know, sometimes we get dogs, for example, that don't play well with others. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna they still get their time out in the big uh, we call them the dog park areas where they have trees and grass to run around. They still get their time out there. But when they're not there, we have converted barns and the dogs are kept in um, an inside stall that's about 12 by 15 with uh, rubber flooring and shavings and elevated beds. And then there's a big doorway that goes to an outside yard that's about 20 by 30 feet. So the dogs run back and forth all day long in there. Mm-hmm. Um, if the dog is dog friendly, then we will make sure that we match some some other dog by, you know, again, temperament and size. Right. And we'll go out there and make sure that everything's fine, they get along. And, Usually, you know, the staff here has been here a long time. Everybody is real good. And mm-hmm. so we usually know before the dogs know. So sometimes you bring a dog out there and the dogs are sniff, sniff, and you watch the dogs, you go, no, this isn't going to work. And you take them out, and the dog's like, why, what happened? <laughs> they, they don't know yet. Right. But, you know, you, you get good at, at being able to size them up. And um, and so the dogs will spend some of their time in the, the converted barn, and then they get, oh, usually at least a third to a half a day out in one of the yards running and playing.
0: Mm-hmm. And who we're we're. I mean, we're a beautiful setting. We're about I don't know three or four miles from the edge of town. Right. But in some ways, Fillmore is the middle of nowhere. Um, how do people find you, or do they come to you, or you do you go to them? I mean, we're not exactly convenient for some folks. No,
1: we're not. And um, even though we, for example, we offer daycare. Right. We don't do a lot of daycare business because unless somebody happens to be traveling through Fillmore on their way to or from work or something like that, it's not convenient for them. Right. But um, we do pick up and delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, our van is, uh, or sometimes several vans are out every day. Uh, Conejo Valley, we cover Westlake, Thousand Oaks, Newbury Park, uh, Moore Park, Westlake Village. Um, we do, in fact, I know the van is out today picking up a dog in Glendale.
0: Oh wow, that's So we track. have clients, yeah, we have yeah. Cl-
1: I mean, they pay for it, yeah. but you know, it's, yeah. it's really convenient for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the way they find us, I am also a trainer and I have a training school called Canine Logic mm-hmm. and uh, my classes are held primarily in the Canao Valley, and so a lot of my students end up becoming customers here as well. Gotcha. So, and we've built our business entirely on word of mouth. Mm-hmm. We have never advertised, and it's, uh, it's, we have years, we grow 10, 15 percent oh, wow. without having to advertise. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, people like it apparently. That's great, and I know the dogs do.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, in 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 regards to uh, training, are they one-on-one classes? Or are they small group? I mean, do you have big groups of twenty dogs and twenty owners? How does that work?
1: Um, I well, I do training a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of uh, one-on-one private in-home training. Uh, especially over the last couple of years with COVID, uh, people couldn't go out to classes. We were not uh, allowed to teach classes for a while. And mm-hmm. so we were doing um, private training in the backyard of people's homes. Um, so I you know, I do privates a, a lot like this, especially with young puppies that are too young to go out into the world yet. Mm-hmm. Um, then I do group classes and I run anywhere from 12 to 15 classes a week, all wow. around Caneo Valley, Camrio, and uh, Fillmore. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally we'll do uh, some training when the dogs come to board with us.
0: Okay. Um, is training the dog essentially the same for every dog? Is every dog the same down deep or is, or is the training process different for different dogs? You know, breeds?
1: that's a really good question because a lot of times um, somebody will say, well, we have this golden retriever puppy and we've had three other goldens and this puppy is different than those other goldens. I don't understand mm-hmm. because they think all golden retrievers are the same. They are as individual as people are.
0: Interesting.
1: And there are certain traits Mm -hmm. that you see in one breed of dog and that'll carry through for the most part in that breed. But they're also all individuals. Uh, People think that like border collies, we have a lot of border collies. People think that border collies herd all the time, that's all they want to do. We've had border collies that have no interest in herding whatsoever. I have one, uh, Luna, that she doesn't have any interest in herding, but she is really into the smells. I mean, she's smelling on the ground all the time. You go to pet her and the first thing she wants you to sniff up and down your arm. <laughs> so I've done some scent work with her mm-hmm. and she loves it. Mm-hmm. So there are individual traits of each dog. And um, the training, although you have, you know, it's just like if you go take a college course, um, you know, the, the, the professor will present the material And then some of the students come to the professor afterwards and say, listen, I didn't quite understand this. And they need to see it from a different perspective to understand it. And the dogs are that individual as well. So we have to kind of cater a little bit depending on how the dog's responding.
0: So if if somebody brings, let's say, a, a German Shepherd and they bring a golden retriever, the training process would start the same for both breeds? Yes,
1: and it would. It would start the same, and then we would diverge into different directions depending on how the dog's responding.
0: Gotcha, so Luna is a sniffer. Yes. So she might be trained to, in a different way than somebody who's a jumper or a digger or a well, runner. Well,
1: yeah, if it's something that you're trying to resolve, like an issue that you want to get rid of, mm-hmm. um, there's certain basic concepts. Um, in fact, here's a great tip for everybody watching, is that all behavior has a consequence. Every single behavior has a consequence. Uh, We're sitting outside right now, the weather's really nice. Let's say it suddenly got chilly. Mm -hmm. So you go over to your car and you put on a little sweater and come back. The behavior was you put on a sweater. The consequence is you're warmer. Mm -hmm. Every behavior has a consequence. So if you have a dog giving you a behavior that you don't like, find out what's in that behavior for the dog. And if the consequence is positive or pleasant, they'll repeat it. If it's not, They'll stay away from it, and so you just find out what's in it, and take that part of it away, and dog will change their behavior. It's not really rocket science; yeah. it is science. Yeah. But um, the tough part is figuring out, you know, why is my dog doing this? What's in it for him, or her? Very cool. Yeah.
0: A couple of questions came uh, to us. Do you train for um, search and rescue or for the or for TV commercials?
1: Okay, good question. Um, I personally don't train for uh, like service animals mm-hmm. um, or search and rescue. Uh, In fact, there is a search and rescue organization. It's called the National Search Dog Foundation and they're located just about nine miles from here in Santa Paula. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a very specialized type of training for dogs. Um, Someone asked me, I used to do a show called Atomic Dog Radio and we had uh, Wilma Melville on the show who runs and owns the Search Dog Foundation. And so she said, here's the way you tell if you have a dog that's good for search and rescue. If you go out in the backyard with your dog, you take a ball and throw it over the fence. And your dog runs over there and looks over the fence and then after a couple of minutes goes, uh-huh, and they wanna do something else. That's not a search dog. If you throw the ball over the fence and the dog runs over the fence and sits there and stares, you go to bed at night, come out in the morning and the dog's still sitting there staring, that's a good search and rescue dog. <laughs> but um, that's very specialized um, service dog training, uh, that's very also very specialized like uh, to help people who need assistance in uh, maneuvering or you know, guide dogs for the blind, things like that. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work with those dogs uh, when the puppy raisers have, have them, to bring them up to the point where they're ready to go into their specialized training. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of d- different disciplines for that. Um, I, I can train for uh, therapy dogs. There's a couple of organizations like uh, TDI, which is Therapy Dogs Internationals. There's Create a Smile. Um, there's Love on a Leash. These are all therapy dog organizations. And I've trained a lot of dogs that, and then signed off for them to go into the, to work for therapy. But the majority of my work is for basically pet dogs, mm-hmm. family members, mm-hmm. and we teach them how to be good family members. Very cool. Um,
0: what about, uh, have you done any commercial work or movie work or anything like
1: that? Yeah, I've done a limited amount. Um, I've worked on some commercials and a TV show. Um, I did uh, like a PetSmart commercial with a dog. And um, well, I was actually, I was a consultant on that and on that one. And I, I did a Nintendo commercial with one of my dogs. Um, that is, uh, that's a pretty, it's fun, but it's really time consuming Right. Um, only because Usually in, in this business of, of television, it's hurry up and wait, Right, hurry up and wait. Right. And you sit around for hours and hours and you work for five minutes and you're done, but you were there all day for that. Right. Um, if you have a dog that's really responsive mm-hmm. to uh, learning things and can learn quickly, mm-hmm. uh, that could be a dog that would be good for commercials and television. Um, we, have, uh, one, we also breed Border Collies and we have one dog right now that uh, there's a, co- actually, she's in a commercial right now that's running on the air for, I don't know, I think flea prevention or something. Um, and uh, you get a dog like that that has the right look, that, mm-hmm. you know, the camera loves her. Right. You can do lots of things with your dogs. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've, we've had dogs that have gone and done little commercials, you know, and you get paid 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And we've done ones where you go and you work for an hour and you get $1,500. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just varies.
0: Right. Would you say there's one breed that, if somebody is thinking about getting a dog and they've never had a dog and maybe there's a little bit of hesitancy by some of the family members, would you say there's one dog that would be kind of uh, good to to look at or not necessarily? Well,
1: um, you know, you try, I mean, if you're trying to match up a family to a dog, you have to look at the personality of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, Some families are chaotic. And and not in a bad way, but they got kids running in and out of the house. They're on the go. They're they're traveling, doing all these things where some families are just very calm and sedate. So you wouldn't want, say, a border collie in a family that wants to sit around and watch TV. I mean, this is not going to work out well. Right. Um, On the other hand, uh, you know, a family that's that's chaotic, uh, you wouldn't want to get... Oh, I I think a German Shepherd might be a little tough for a family like that. Um, They're very protective. they're tougher. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think you can take any dog right. and make it work with a family if you ha- if you can start from the beginning with the puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've often said, though, as far as a dog that could be the ambassador for all dogs, it would be a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Interesting. A Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, um, to give you an idea, a leaf falls off the tree. Right. They want to run over and make friends with it. I mean, that's, that's how they're. they're, they're really sweet, wonderful dogs. Right. But um, that's not to take away from any of the other breeds because sure. I have seen wonderful, wonderful, pit bulls. Pit bulls have this awful reputation. Yep. Again, they're individual dogs. The pit bulls that are nice, they're great dogs. They're mm-hmm. wonderful dogs. Mm-hmm. But there's been a few that have been raised for the wrong purposes and then the media jumps on that right. and suddenly, oh, pit bulls are terrible. They're right. not terrible dogs. Yeah. But just like any other breed, there are certain characteristics that are somewhat in common with a certain breed. So you have to take that into account when you're figuring out what kind of dog to get. Right. But I, you know, it's amazing, I, I had a woman show up, she'd been through classes through 15 or 20 years with me. She shows up for a new class with like a 90 or 100 pound lab that she rescued. Uh-huh. The woman's 82 years old. Oh, wow. This was not the right choice for with her. And right. I asked her, why'd you get, it? oh, we've always had labs. I said, yeah, but you haven't always been 82 years old. <laughs> right. It makes a big difference. Right. So you really should do some research. And one other point I want to make, because this comes up all the time. People are getting two puppies instead of one. Oh, really? Yeah, we have a rule as trainers. If you have a choice between one or two, take one. People think that if, if having one puppy is X hard, then having two puppies would be two X hard. It's not, it's 10X. <laughs> it is so much harder and there's right. so many problems you can run into. So um, that would be the biggest thing I would say is don't get two, get one, right. get one.
0: What, what is one thing that you've learned about dog training or maybe even dog boarding that you didn't expect?
1: That I didn't expect.
0: And it's two different disciplines, one you're boarding, one you're training.
1: Sure, sure. Um, well, the one thing with training, I will say is that I have had to become an expert with people because number and I'll tell you my, my background before I got into, and I've been in dog training for almost 25 years, mm-hmm. but before this, I was in sales and sales prepared me in a lot of ways to do dog training, because if there's a dog that needs training, I need to get to the person. I basically have to sell the person on the concept of training their dog, Right. okay? Um, That's the hardest thing is getting people to buy in and how to do things because they, so many times people think they know it all and they don't, or they think, look, you know, I can deal with people so I can deal with the dog. No, it's totally different. Um, So that was probably one of the hardest things in training. Um, As far as boarding goes, When we first opened the business, our CPA said, oh, so you're gonna start printing money for a living. (laughs) Well, it's not that way at all. It's a lot of work. And our day starts usually around 6.30, 7 in the morning. And realistically, if I get into bed before 11 o'clock at night, I'm doing well.
0: Wow, and you have a big
1: staff. We do. But you know the staff has gone by six and then mm-hmm. Karen and I are taking care of things and at oh, night wow. when it's yeah. time for the dogs to go to bed, we're putting dogs to bed, we're giving medications, making sure everybody's separated to where it's supposed to go. Right. So it, yeah, it's a lot of work. yeah
0: and the dogs don't take the weekend off. They're, they
1: do they're, not. Yeah, we've tried that and yeah. no yeah. It does. but you know what, it's, it's such a rewarding business. I mean we've been doing that we've had all dogs rule open for almost 20 years and I wouldn't change it. It's been a great, great endeavor. I mm-hmm. love it. That's great.
0: Did you stumble into dog training?
1: Almost literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had always, as, as a kid, um, I had always trained our, our family dogs. And I, we, I grew up with dogs a bet, I don't know, till the time I was 16, 17 years old, I'll bet we'd had five, six dogs. Mm-hmm. So I loved training the dogs. I loved having the dogs around. Um, and then um, I, was in, I was in broadcasting after college for a while, and I got into sales. Before they had, you know, Match.com and Tinder and all these things. AOL had something called Love at AOL. Okay. And it it was like chat rooms, basically. Mm -hmm. But you would put in a little profile and then people would look at your profile. And then you say, oh, I'm going to contact this person. And you might go into a chat room and talk to them. So that's how I met Karen. But what I had put in my uh, profile is that I love dogs and I play hockey. Mm -hmm. So Karen loved hockey and she was a dog trainer and she had her wow. own training school. So we met on this thing and it turned out we only lived a mile apart from one another.
0: Wow, what are the odds of that?
1: I know, really. <laughs> and so then you know, we chatted back and forth and it was probably 2 months before we actually met in person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then once we met, um I had just sold a business that I had, so I was hanging out with Karen doing her you know, training. And I would travel around. We went all over the place, uh, Canada and Mexico and things. And I was going to seminars and learning all about the the professional way of training. Mm -hmm. And um, finally, uh, we were at a show down in San Diego and PetSmart had a, a booth set up. They were looking for trainers. Karen said, why don't you go talk to them? Well, I did. And I got hired. And after about four months being a trainer with PetSmart, they Elevated my position to train other trainers. I ended up going to their corporate offices and helping develop a training program for their mm-hmm. stores And I did that for a long time and then I broke out on my own and so it just Happened that way, right? Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, you know, that it, it was just natural for me. Mm-hmm. It just For some reason it just makes sense. Yeah, uh, and the way I understand there's um there's a uh, behaviorist named Temple Grandin who in her own right is amazing, she's uh, autistic. And there was and a movie
0: about her. Yes, yes. yeah, with Claire Danes, mm-hmm. which
1: is great film. Yeah. But at any rate, Temple Grandin um, was helping cattle farms because what they were trying to do is get the cows to go up through the chutes mm-hmm. in, to the slaughter place. Right. But one of the things, they were always resistant. And so Temple Grandin had the ability to kind of see things from the perspective of the animals. And she told them how to change the way they move the animals and how to change the shoots. Mm-hmm. And the animals were all comfortable in, in, in doing it because she saw it from a different perspective. Right. And I, I'm not saying that I'm anything like that, but I do kind of see things from the dog's perspective and I understand how they think. And it was kind of natural for me. So it's been easy.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So why do people get dogs and not get them trained? It would, it would seem like it would just be kind of a natural next step.
1: You know, I've asked that question a lot. Um, the problem, I think, is that a lot of people growing up, they had a, a family dog, and they never, you know, as kids, they never had to deal with the dogs. So, right. oh, we had a dog, and I guess we just get a dog. Right. Um, it's not that way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, the number one reason that dogs end up in shelters in this country is for misbehaving. Okay, poorly know. behaved dogs. I did not know that. The <laughs> number one age that dogs are given up for at the shelters um, is two years old. Really? Yes. Wow. Because still very that's young. when they start to come into their own. They're really mature at that point. So, um, you know, with dogs, it's not about do you have a good dog or a bad dog. It's do you know how to communicate with your dog. And all day long, people are. Talking in human and dogs are listening in dog and this just doesn't match right and so really training when I train uh, Dogs, I'm not really training the dog as much as I'm training the person on how to communicate with their dog So the dog understands what they want most people know what they want their dog to do, right? They just don't know how to get it across to them. They need to communicate in dog correct and the other part of it too is that there's a guy that I've seen out at this park, he's got a yellow lab and he's going through the park every Saturday, right? And he's got two hands on the leash and the dog is dragging him through the park, you know? And, he's, and I always say, hey, how's that walk coming? And he's like, oh, it's gonna get better. No, it's not. right? Because that dog already knows his job. Yep. You clip the leash on me on Saturday morning and I drag you through the park. And why should the dog change? He's getting exactly what he wants. Mm-hmm. There's a saying, and I heard this, is from an old baseball player. and He said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. <laughs> the dog isn't gonna change their behavior until you change. But when you change things, you can do anything you want with your dog. I mean, my dogs are, when we're done here, mm-hmm. my, my dogs are gonna wash my car for me. <laughs> no. But I mean, really, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. You have a dog that, that Every time the doorbell rings, they run to the front door and they're barking and jumping and you're trying to, hold on for a minute, you're trying to pull your dog back. If you continue that routine, it will never change. I train people a lot with their dogs that when someone knocks at the front door, the dog runs to the front door, they might bark. As soon as the person gets to the front door, the dog runs over and lays down on their pad and watches while you open the door to see what's going on. Not hard to train, right? but most people don't know how to do that. Sure. And you know, training classes are not expensive. Right. Privately, yeah, I'm a little more money for that, but it's okay. I mean, it, you're gonna have a dog, hopefully, for 15, 18, 20 years. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what is it if you invest, you know, several hundred dollars in a dog now that's gonna pay off for the rest of the time you have right. your dog? so you can, you can
0: treat an old dog new tricks?
1: Yes, you can, absolutely.
0: <laughs> What's the most important thing to teach a puppy?
1: If you get a new puppy, um, you know, I, believe it or not, most people say, oh, it's potty training. I don't want the dog peeing in the house. Well, that's important, mm-hmm. but it's not critical. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. It's not, The dog's life does not depend on that. Right. Unless you're really mean. But the most important things to teach a puppy is, number one, that you are the most important thing in the puppy's life. That puppy should want to focus on you all the time. Mm-hmm. Number two, you want a very reliable recall. When you call your puppy, they should come to you because you may have the option at some time to call your dog and call them out of harm's way. You might save their life by having a reliable recall and stay is also also a very important behavior to have. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got stuff going on and you you know, there's things that you don't want your dog getting to sit stay and they should stay. Mm -hmm. And I will also point out, we didn't mention this, but it's really important. There's two basic philosophies on training. There is aversive training and there's positive reinforcement. I'm a positive reinforcement trainer. I don't use choke chains, I don't use pinch collars, I don't use electric collars, Mm -hmm. ever. There are lots of people, you get a golden retriever and I guarantee there is gonna be somebody that's gonna come along to you, a well-meaning friend or relative or neighbor and they're gonna say, you know what? You need to put a choke chain on that dog. You need to correct that dog. No, you don't, Mm -hmm. you need to train them. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything I do is positive reinforcement. You show the dog where the payoff behaviors are, they gravitate toward those all the time.
0: It's easy. Why do you think people love their dog so much?
1: I have actually a really good answer for that because we, we discuss this, especially when you lose a dog. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes when you lose a dog, it's worse than losing a person. And I'm not comparing people to dogs in that respect, sure. but the way you mm-hmm. feel about it. And I think it is, okay, you're married, right? Yep. Okay, you love your wife? Do. Okay, but I guarantee that there are some things that your wife does that you think to yourself, I just wish she'd knock that crap off.
0: No comment. Right? Okay, there you go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Because we all have our agendas. Sure. Okay, it doesn't mean you don't love your wife, but you know, and she thinks those things about you too. There's certain things that I wish you wouldn't do that. With dogs, they're just there. They have no hidden agendas. They are there all the time. Whether you yell at them, they're there for you all the time. And so when they pass, I think it really is, it's deeper in your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we love our dogs because they're just there for us.
0: They're there in the moment.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, that's a really good point because dogs live in the moment. Yeah. They don't worry about stuff over here that happened 20 minutes ago. They don't think about what's gonna happen in an hour. Right. They just know that we're here, I'm with you, and life is good.
0: Very cool. Russ Aveson, thank you so much for being our guest on this edition of Farm Talk.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: Greatly appreciate it. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, The Money Store and The Escrow Hub. And join us again next time for another edition of Farm Talk.